0: Following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now, the message What exactly are your eyes on this morning? What, what are you focused on right now more than anything else? <clears throat> are you standing on the promises? Or are you just sitting on the premises? (laughs) Is your faith in neutral? Or do you have a radical faith? We learned in our Sunday school lesson this morning that that Jesus was wrongly accused because he had a radical teaching. He had a radical faith. If somebody were to look at your life and analyze and say, man, that, that person is a Jesus freak. They are a radical Christian. They are beyond anything that I've ever seen because I see them praying, I hear them praying, I see them studying God's word. Is that what someone would say about your life and your faith right now if they were to examine your life? What, what are your eyes fixed on at this moment? Over the past few months, we've been asking the Lord to open our eyes and open our ears and speak to us. We've been learning how to hear from the Lord. We looked at biblical examples of times when God directly spoke to some of his Old Testament servants and prophets. This morning, we're going to learn about how that communication is a two-way streak. You see, it, it's real important to be, I'm a good listener. I, I don't talk much. Some of you, uh, when you first met me, you probably thought that guy was rude. Uh, <laughs> he's kind of stuck up. I, that's just my nature. I, I like to listen more than anything else. I'm a good listener. But when the time comes, it's kind of like, you know, uh, you heard that old E.F. Hutton commercial when E.F. Hutton talks, <laughs> everybody listens. Is that how it is with you? When you speak, do the words of Jesus flow out of your mouth? Do people look at your life and say, well, I know that that person is a Christian because of the way they conduct themselves? Let me ask you this question. Let's, let's talk about your prayer life for just a moment. You, you can walk into any Christian bookstore in our country right now, and probably the majority of what you'll see is books written on the topic of prayer. All throughout the years, some of the great ones have written on the topic of prayer. Why is that? Because prayer is a spiritual discipline that is hard to master. It is one that is hard for us to discipline and regimen our lives to really devote that time because we're too busy. I, I, I can relate to that. I, I know what you're going to say. I, I'm just too busy to pray. Well, I think one of the topics or one of the titles of the books was too busy not to pray, <laughs> I think we need to pray before we do anything else, and that's where we led into last week uh, in our sermon, and that's where we're going this week. We're going to look at the prayer life of one person in particular. His name is Daniel. We're going to be in the book of Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to look at a time when Daniel was told not to pray. It's against the law. You can't do it. If you do it, we're going to throw you in the lion's den. We all remember that story. From Sunday school we've heard it from the time we were old enough to listen to Sunday school lessons and go to Sunday school and we all talk about times when we get in trouble well they threw us in the lion's den and that was our our punishment for doing something wrong so let me ask you this would your life change if someone were to tell you today that you could no longer pray I'm talking about any time whether it's public private If they were to say, you're not allowed to go to church anymore, you can't pray anymore, you can't read your Bible anymore, would your life radically change? Would it drastically change or would it stay pretty much the same way it is right now? We're going to learn three important things about Daniel's prayer life, what it was composed of, how he continued on in his lifestyle, and what happened when they told Daniel, Daniel, you can't pray Anymore. So if you're staying on track with our chronological Bible that we started back in January, you read through this passage on September the 8th. I'm a few weeks behind, so I just read it a couple of weeks ago. And so why would I want to stay on this particular topic for so long? And why would I keep preaching so much on the topic of prayer? I think if you've been around for the past three years, you know that prayer is something that i preached about probably more than any one single topic Here's something that I heard Johnny Hunt say years ago. He said that a larger army conquers more territory. The reason I want to stay on this particular topic is because I know that also a stronger army wins more victories. So if I can get you to practicing prayer, studying the word of God, spending the time with the Lord that you need to spend, my job is going to be a lot easier. You're going to be a lot stronger. And one of these days, you're going to say, Brother Tracy, I'm glad I listened to you. Just like someone who's been sick. Why didn't you go to the doctor? You need to go to the doctor. Well, I did go to the doctor. I'm glad I listened to you. I feel better now. Hopefully, one of these days, you'll say that. You'll say, I I thank you for preaching on that. I thank you for teaching me about God's word. I thank you for emphasizing prayer. Let me just say, prayer is something that I struggle with In my life as well. That's why I want to stay on this particular topic for so long. I want you to be able to master this on your own. I want you to be disciplined. And I want you to see first and foremost the importance of prayer and the study of God's word. Last week I challenged you to spend the next 30 days starting your day off. 10 to 15 minutes in the morning. Read the Bible for five minutes or so. And then just sit there quietly. Quietly. And let the Lord talk to you, reflect on what you've read. I hope that you'll grow from that. I hope that you'll expand that time, that it'll become longer. And I hope that at some point you'll look forward to that time. You'll anxiously get up. Maybe you'll set your clock a little bit earlier every morning saying, I've got to spend time with the Lord before I start my day. So I'm going to devote at least the first 15 to 20, 30 minutes alone with him to see what he has to say for me. So a larger army conquers more territory, but a stronger, more capable army is unstoppable. And we're going to see that in the life of Daniel today. I didn't include uh, verse 23 in the bulletin, but it is on your outline. That's what we're going to close out with. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10 and see what happened when Daniel was told that he could not pray anymore. So just to set the stage for you as to where we're at uh, in in the life of David, uh, the Israelites, uh, they are in their 70 years of Babylonian captivity. We don't know exactly where it was that Daniel was at. So he's probably about 70 to 80 years old at this time. King Nebuchadnezzar had come into Jerusalem. had conquered a lot of the major cities in Israel, and he had taken many of the Israelites into captivity. So Babylon, where is it at? Uh, Modern-day Iraq, uh, just south of where Baghdad is. They wouldn't go across the desert, but more than likely what they do is they would go north up to the Euphrates River and then go back down south to Babylon. So when you read the Bible about the enemies coming from the north, they wouldn't cut across the desert to get to Jerusalem. They would go up north on the Euphrates River and then come down from the north to attack Jerusalem. So nevertheless, they are in uh, captivity here in Jerusalem. What Nebuchadnezzar has done is he had tried to indoctrinate many of the Jewish boys to rid them of their Hebrew, Hebrew training. Uh, they are his POWs, if you want to call them that. And so we're more familiar with four main characters in the book of Daniel. Daniel himself, and then he had four friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, more commonly known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were their Babylonian names, and that was the first thing that Nebuchadnezzar tried to do was remove any connection that they had to Jehovah God by changing their names. Their names were connected with God himself. So at the time of this morning's passage in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel is up in age. He's been promoted to a government official, and he has remained in Babylon for at least five of the Babylonian kings. However, his love now... For the Lord is even stronger than the day that he set foot in Babylon. Because of his Jewish upbringing, he continued to trust and obey the Lord in every circumstance. And three things we're going to take out of that, that will show us how he remained strong and how he remained trusting in the Lord. Let's all stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguishing himself above the governors and satraps because of an excellent spirit. Some of your translations may say great ability right there. That's gonna be one of the main points that we look at today. There was an excellent spirit upon him and the king gave thought to set him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him my 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 to have that said about our lives how awesome would that be that's the point that i want to get us to through this sermon series then these men said we shall not find any charge against this daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his god So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators of satraps, the counselors and advisors, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you. 30-day challenge. Keep that in mind. We're going to come back to that in just a little bit. O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes-Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the decree. Verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he quit praying. Now that's not at all what happened to Daniel. That's probably what would happen happened to most of us, unfortunately. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. As was his custom Since early days. If you don't have that underlined or highlighted in your Bible, underline that little phrase right there. As was his custom. For the next 30 days, that's what I'm trying to make your custom as well. To spend that time at once, twice, three times, however, however often you can do it. Getting along with the Lord. Kick the windows on your prayer room open. Don't be bashful about it. Be bold about it. And see what God does in your life as you trust and obey him. Father God, we love you so much and we thank you for your word. God, what a powerful testimony this is and what an awesome example this is for us in our prayer life, Lord. So I pray, Lord God, that you would unlock some things in our life today, that you would help us to have victory in this area and that you would help us to make prayer a priority in everything we do as we trust and obey you during these difficult times that we live in. Most importantly, Lord, if there was anyone here that does not have a relationship with you, they don't know what it means to pray to you or talk to you. They've never had that experience before. I pray that you would begin speaking to their hearts right now, Lord God, and that they would trust and obey you with their salvation and their lives. And we just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Point number one that we're going to see happens in verse 3 is that Daniel's prayer life was extraordinary, extraordinary. Hey, look, we're just a bunch of ordinary folks that serve an extraordinary God. Amen? We can't do it. I can't do it, but I know a man who can. And Daniel was in a situation now to where he needed something extraordinary and supernatural to happen. And because of his upbringing, because of what he was accustomed to do, The laws and the decrees that they said did not alter his prayer life one bit. And in verse 3 says, uh, they were jealous of him. He was distinguished above himself, uh, above everyone else, because he had an excellent spirit within him. The New Living Translation that we're going through in the chronological order, the Amplified Versions, the other translations say that he had a great Ability. Let me tell you something, folks. If you want to have great ability in your life, spend time with the Lord. You can't do it on your own. You're gonna face some situations. You're gonna face some challenges. And I'm telling you, in our country, it's probably gonna get worse before it gets better. We've got some good things going on in our country right now. But if you want great ability, if you wanna see something extraordinary happen in your life, you take your prayer life and turn it from something ordinary to into something radical and extraordinary. And God will give you the abilities that you need to accomplish the things that you're setting out to do. What are the goals in your spiritual life right now? Have you set any? I know we're, we haven't come to January 1st. We don't, we're we not in a new year. But you can set new goals anytime you want to. Through this preaching message, through this sermon series, what has sparked your attention? What has maybe captured your attention? You say, you know, I want to learn how to do that. Why not start today? Why not tell the Lord, say, God, I want my life to be not ordinary. I want it to be extraordinary from now on. I'm tired of the plain old plain old. I'm tired of being a mediocre Christian. God, I don't even know how to pray. I, I want to start today and let God unlock something extraordinary in your life. Last week, I challenged you to read maybe a chapter out of Proverbs each and every day. The book of Proverbs has a lot to say about wisdom knowledge, and seeking the Lord. And because Daniel was accustomed to seeking the Lord, God blessed him with great ability, far above any other governors and administrators in the entire region of Babylon. Where did this great ability or excellent spirit come from? Write down these verses, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Where does our knowledge come from? When we begin to respect and honor the Lord, when we begin to serve him and seek him with all of our heart, then we are at the beginning of knowledge in our lives. Proverbs chapter two, verse six says that the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. How do we get this knowledge and understanding from his mouth? From the word of God. The word of God is the inspired written Words of God himself. These pages are warm with the breath of God. That word inspiration, when you see it in the New Testament, is the word theopneustos, God breathed. And if you want wisdom and knowledge in your life, you seek it in the word of God. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 13 has this to say. It says, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. James chapter one verse five says this, says this, if Anyone lacks wisdom. Know anybody like that? <laughs> you know anybody that's a knothead, a little hard headed, they're slow learning? Bring them to this verse. Say, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Lord. People, if you want some promises to stand on there or some promises to stand on right there, if you want to stand on the promises of God, you seek him first. You ask him to give you the wisdom and then with just like Daniel, you'll have this excellent spirit and your prayer life will be transformed from something ordinary to something extraordinary when you devote your time just like Daniel did. Now, Daniel... Uh, his captivity led him to continue praying. It didn't stop his prayer life. His captivity, if anything else, increased his prayer life substantially. But this decree that had been set and ordered, uh, it was a time that led Daniel to pray even more fervently than ever before. So when you get into situations in your life when it seems like everything is up against you, Does that push you further away from the Lord? Does that decrease your prayer life? Do you say, I've got bad things happening in my life. There's no sense praying anymore because God is against me right now. He's forgotten about me. He's grown silent. My relationship with him has grown cold. Or when you get into a situation like that, do you say, this is a time that I need to pray even more? I don't need to run from the church. I need to run to the church. I need to find me some good Christian friends, but the thing that I need to do More than anything else is like Daniel. I need to spend as much time in prayer as I possibly can. So here's the question that comes from that. When times get desperate for you, where do you turn? When you don't know where else to go, who do you turn to? It it seemed for Daniel that when the situation got worse, his prayer life went from ordinary to Extraordinary. Extraordinary. When life seems out of control, do you pray more or do you pray less? E.M. E- Bounds is one of the authors that writes a lot on the topic of prayer. Anything you can get your hands on from E.M. Bounds is going to be worth reading and it will help your prayer life. He said this about your prayer life and your circumstances. He says, True prayers are born of present trials and present needs. Hey, look, folks. If it wasn't for the problems in our life, we wouldn't know that God could solve them. But we have a God that wants to be intimately involved in every area of our life. When you're sad, when you're discouraged, when you have a financial circumstance, when you have questions that you can't find answers to, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And the flip side of that, Proverbs 1, 7, says that fools despise wisdom and instruction. So Daniel's life was extraordinary. He had this excellent spirit about him, and everybody noticed it. It stood out like a sore thumb. He was in a culture that was opposed to everything. They had their own false gods, It was a very, very pagan culture that he was in, but because of his Hebrew upbringing, because of what his parents taught him, what he had practiced in his younger years, it carried over into his adult years, and God honored that in everything that he did. So not only was it extraordinary, but point number two, Daniel's prayer life was evident. It was noticeable. There was something very, very unique about him. Look at what the... uh, the satraps, the governors, all the officials had to say about Daniel in verse five. It said, then these men said, we're not gonna find anything wrong with him. We're not gonna be able to find anything against our laws, our rules and regulations to charge him against. We want to throw him under the bus. We want to get rid of him. That's something else that we studied in our Sunday school lesson this morning. When Jesus was falsely accused, Same thing is going on with Daniel here. He's being falsely accused of things that he did not do. And they're trying to set him up. They're trying to set a trap for him. And they said that the only way that we can do it is against something that he has done all of his life. It's got to be something against the laws of his God that we can trip him up in. And they noticed that he was a person of prayer. And they said, that's it. If we can make a rule to where it is against the law, to pray to his God, we got him. We can get rid of him. We can get him out of our sight. We can get him out of our way and he's not gonna have any control or say so over what we do. Is the power of God evident in your life? Is it evident that you are a person of prayer? Is, something, is prayer something that you do naturally? Somebody comes up to you and you don't even bat eye, you just say, let's pray About that situation, no matter where it's at. Look, a lot of times I'll tell people that I'm going to pray for them, but I'll forget about doing it. So what I like to do is pray for them right then and there on the spot. They come up to me, they say, "I've got an issue, I've got a problem. Would you pray for me about that?" I don't put them on a prayer list. I stop and I pray for them right then. Is it evident in your life that you trust and obey the Lord? Is it evident in your life that you are a person of prayer? I think the Lord is looking for a church that is a praying church. I think the Lord is looking for individuals that are praying individuals. I think that's where the power of our church comes from. I think that's where the power of any church comes from. And it should be evident in your life and well that you are a person of prayer. Another quote from E.M. Bounds by his book, The Power of Prayer. He says, God can work wonders if He can get a suitable man. Men can work wonders if they can get God to lead them. The full endowment of the spirit that turned the world upside down would be eminently useful in these latter days. Men who can stir things mightily for God, whose spiritual resolutions change the whole aspect of things. They are the universal need of the church. See, here's what happened with Daniel. It was evident. He didn't let the world around him change him. Who he was is what changed the world around him. He didn't let the pressure of the culture, he didn't let their pagan teachings change him, but yet his love for the Lord began changing things around him. And at the end of this story, you're gonna see that even the king realized that what he was tricked into doing was wrong, and he realized that Daniel's God was worthy to be praised. See, Daniel was a thermostat. He wasn't a thermometer. He didn't respond to changes in his culture. He was something that actually changed what was going on in the world around him. How about your prayer life? Is it a thermostat? Do you just respond to the bad things happening in your life? Are you a thermometer that shifts with the incoming tide, with the changing culture, with the eroding ways of our world? Or are you a thermostat? Are you somebody that can actually change the climate of the world around you? Daniel's prayer life was evident. He didn't let the culture and he didn't let the conditions change him. He allowed God to work through him to change his situation. Do you know what King Darius said After all the dust had settled, they discovered Daniel praying. They said, King, we got to do this. You signed a decree, you signed a law that if anyone caught praying, is going to be thrown in the lion's den. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. A rock rolled over it, sealed it for the night, and they thought he was going to be a goner. When they rolled the rock away the next day, there Daniel sat with the lions. Not a scratch on him. The lions didn't do anything to him all night long because God had protected him. And when King Darius saw that, he knew that there was something extraordinary about Daniel's God. He knew that it was evident in Daniel's life that God had put his hand of protection over him. In chapter 6, look with me in verses 25 through 27. Here's what King Darius had to say. Here's what he observed. And here's what he said after Daniel was delivered from the lions' den. He wrote a new letter, a new proclamation. The first proclamation said, "You can't pray for the Lord to the Lord for thirty whole days." But after God was apparent in Daniel's life, after God delivered him from the hungry lions, King Darius wrote this. He said to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, "Peace be multiplied to you." I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure forever. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. It was evident to King Darius that Daniel had a special connection with the Lord that he served. And because of Daniel's obedience, because Daniel trusted and obeyed the Lord, he completely changed everything that was going on in the Babylonian kingdom just by saying, Lord, I trust in you. I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to pray to you no matter what. Do people know that you are a person who prays? Is it evident in your life that you're a person of prayer? Do they know just how much you love the Lord or do they know how little you love the Lord? There's three things that stand out in Daniel's habit of praying. You notice his position, you notice his persistency, and you notice his priority. Three times a day. He wasn't driving down the road. He wasn't in his chariot. He wasn't walking around, jogging or running. But it says he knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed to the Lord. What is the evidence that God is looking for in a Christian's life? What is the evidence that God is looking for that you really trust and obey him? Write down this verse, 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says this, it says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Whose life does the Lord want to make himself evident through? Where are my prayer warriors at? Where are the people who really say, I see the changes that need to take place in our culture? I, I see the changes that need to take place in our community. I see what's going on in the political world. I'm not a politician. I can't solve all those problems, but I know a man who can. I'm not talking about just adults either. I'm talking about teenagers. I'm talking about children. Are, are you teaching your kids to pray? Are you teaching them to seek the Lord? Are you making an example out in the community? Are you being involved in prayer events here in our community? Or you may be organizing a prayer life, uh, a prayer walk or a prayer event in our community. But right now, God is scanning through this audience. He's looking for a life that will trust and obey in him. He's looking for a life that will be obedient to him. And he's looking for a life that will stand up and say, I want to have an extraordinary prayer life. I want it to be evident in my life that I love the Lord more than anything else and I'm willing to make the changes in my life, whether it be 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, but I'm willing to sacrifice a little bit of time from something else and devote it to the Lord and become that person that the Lord is looking for. I don't want to be a a thermometer I don't want to just change when the situation dictates it, but I want to be a thermostat. I want to know that I can change the climate of the world around me. I want to know that my life can impact the lives of those around me, and I want to learn how to pray more effectively and efficiently and powerfully than I ever have before in my life. And if that's you, like I said just a moment ago, these altars are open at any time, Don't be bashful, don't be shy, don't wait for an invitation. Whenever the Lord says it's time for you to make that commitment, you respond to him because Daniel didn't wait for a certain time. As he was accustomed to doing, I don't think that this situation made him go up and pray three times a day. I think that's what he was just used to doing. But let me tell you something. Here's the picture that I get of Daniel praying during this time. He wasn't bashful about it. He just kicked the windows open in his house. He slung it open. He was looking towards Jerusalem. He says, I'm not where I want to be. Jerusalem is where I want to be. But this situation needs a God to intervene on my behalf. This situation is desperate enough to where I need to be bold about my faith and let everybody know that I'm not ashamed to pray to my God. And I want it to be evident to the people around me that God is fixing to do something about it. We're, we're going to look more probably next week about this posture of prayer. Just like verse ten clearly states that Daniel knelt down three times a day. Is it very important about your posture in prayer? Jesus told a, par- a parable about a publican and a Pharisee. He said the Pharisee was proud. He stood up on the street corner and he prayed out loud where everybody could see him. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this sinner here. I I tithe, I give everything I have. I do things for you. He was proud. He was boastful. But there was also one who was a publican, a taxpayer. And Jesus said that he knelt down on the ground and he beat on his chest and he wouldn't even lift his eyes up. Jesus said that's the prayer that God responds to. So is posture important in prayer? I do believe it is. I believe that you have the freedom and the liberty to talk to God anytime, anywhere, any place. But I think there's something extraordinary about you making a special effort to humble yourself before the Lord. Bow your head in humility and say, God, do something in my life and use me to impact your kingdom. The next thing that we see about Daniel's prayer life is that it was ingrained. Daniel's prayer life was ingrained. It wasn't just something he did. It was who he was. The second half of verse 10 says that. I asked you to underline it a while ago. He prayed and he gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. You see, Daniel didn't look around when times got tough. Daniel looked up when times got tough. A crisis will often reveal what kind of faith we really have in the Lord, and when prayer became illegal for Daniel, it became a priority for Daniel. Th- this is what a t- uh, this was a time when God said uh, this was a time when what God said Daniel should do trumped what man said he shouldn't do. Notice what happened to that decree. It was completely gone once God revealed his power in Daniel's life. Notice the decree that they said back in verse 7. They intentionally said it for 30 days, one whole month. They said if we can get him to stop praying for at least 30 days, we're going to break his habit of praying. Remember my challenge last week? I'm trying to get you to start praying for at least 30 days. Because most researchers show that it takes at least 30 days to break an old habit or to start a new habit. 30 days, not a coincidence. The other administrators thought that if they could keep Daniel from praying for 30 days, they would have the upper hand. However, Daniel's lifelong practice of prayer was not just something he did. It was who he was, and they couldn't change it. Since Daniel was a young boy, he was taught the importance of a relationship with the Lord. He was taught the importance of prayer. He was taught from a very, very young child how important it was that his relationship and dependency upon the Lord should be a part of his life. And now his faithfulness has created him something that no one could remove. I'm we'll talk to the parents for just a moment. Write down this verse, because this is what happened to Daniel. Proverbs 22, six. You're probably familiar with it. You've heard it before, but it says this. It says to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a promise from God that you can stand on. And that's what happened to Daniel. Ever since he was a young boy, His parents taught him the ways of the Lord. There's a passage in Deuteronomy chapter six known as the Shema, and it was something that they would repeat every single day. And Jesus summarized this as the greatest commandment. We know it is the first commandment of the 10. You shall have no other gods before me, but Jesus put extra emphasis on this. He said, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. In Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 5, that is the Shema that a Jewish boy would repeat every single day, several times a day. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So this love of the Lord stayed with Daniel his entire life, and the Lord blessed him because of it. Because prayer was something that was ingrained in his life. It wasn't just an occasional practice. It was deeply embedded into every aspect of his life. You see, here's the deal. You can say that you love someone. You can tell them that you love them. But there are ways that you can prove to them that you really do love them. When you truly love someone, it becomes your desire to spend as much time with them as you possibly can. Every now and then, Marcia and I have to be separated for several days, sometimes a week. When we started this transition, it would go for weeks at a time. But there are sometimes when she's gone back to DeQuincy to spend time with our parents. But you know what? She still has ways of letting me know that she loves me when she's gone. All throughout the house, I'll have little stickers like this. They'll be on my pillow. They'll be in my closet. They'll be in places where she knows that I'm going to go because she's not there to physically tell me in person how much she loves me and that she wants to spend time with me. But she wants to let me know while she's gone that she's still thinking about me and she wishes she was there spending time with me. i have asked her to come out this morning because I want to let you know something. Some of you have noticed this and I want especially the young people to see this. Here's what happens in your prayer life. And here's what's gonna make your prayer life something very, very important in your life. When you make a commitment to love someone and when you become a Christian, what you're doing is you're entering into a covenant with the Lord. First commandment, love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. And when they we got married, we made a covenant Till death do we part. We're going to love each other in sickness and health, for richer, for poor. And I got my tongue tangled just like I did just then. I didn't call her my lawfully wedded wife. I called her my awfully leaded wife. But here's how she knows that I love her. Because throughout the years, we've learned how to spend more and more time together. It might be something as simple as watching a TV show It might be something as simple as going to the park for a walk every now and then. Sometimes I'll make a really big sacrifice and I'll go shopping with her. (laughs) But we're still spending time together. Now, she likes to do some of the things that I like to do as well. She likes to fish. I haven't seen her go hunting yet. She's been to the lease with me a couple of times, but she doesn't like that. But the ways that she really knows that I love her is is that we're going to spend more and more time together. And we've made that commitment to be together as often as possible. Throughout the year, we take retreats. We just like to get connected. We stay connected. We like to communicate. We like to talk to each other. And it's made our relationship stronger and stronger and stronger throughout the years. Love you. That's another way I can show her I love her too. Thank you. Yeah. But here's how your prayer life is going to become extraordinary. Here's how your prayer life is gonna move from ordinary to extraordinary. By you making a commitment today and saying, God, I love you. I've entered into a covenant with you. I've trusted in you with my life. Now I wanna learn how to trust and obey you as well. And if you will begin in a relationship like that, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, honor and respect towards him. And if you really want to show the Lord how much you love him, you're gonna want to start spending more and more time with him. Once, twice, three times a day, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I promise you, when you start your prayer life, an hour is gonna slip away just like that. Before you realize it, you're gonna say, I wish I had more time to spend with the Lord. That's where I'm trying to get you in your life, in your walk with the Lord to help you realize just what a privilege that we have. Hey, look, we live in a blessed country. We live in one nation under God. Right now we have rights and privileges that a lot of countries don't have. A lot of people have to go underground to have church. They have to have church in secret and private because they're afraid of law enforcement catching them. We have so many freedoms and liberties and privileges here in the United States, and often we take advantage of them. The last thing I want to show you in the passage is what happened to Daniel after he was delivered from the lion's den. I want to show you the key element is prayer life. Chapter six, verse twenty-three. Circle this verse. Highlight this verse. Underline it, whatever you do. Make a little note or date by it. After they pulled Daniel out of the lion's den and saw that nothing was wrong with him, nobody hurt him, the lions didn't do anything to him, it says, now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the lion, out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him. Main reason right here, these next few words, because he believed in his God. Because he believed. He he believed that not only God could save him, but that God would save him. And he said, I'm going to pray to God no matter what they say. Because he believed that God would deliver him from anything they would put against him. You see, here's the deal. What you believe matters. What you believe will change what you do and how you respond. So if you truly believe that God is able to intervene on your behalf, if you truly believe that God hears our prayers and responds to our prayers, you're gonna devote time praying to him. What you believe will change and shape your habits, what you believe will change and shape your lifestyle as well. What you believe will also be what you talk about. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Daniel believed in his God And his God spared him from the den of lions. Paul also writes in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, if you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Daniel believed that his God would deliver him and God saved him from the den of lions. you will be saved. Have you made that confession yet? Have you asked God to save you? Have you told God, God, I believe that you are the one true God. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, lived a sinless, perfect life and died for my sins. And I believe that he rose up from that grave three days after he was crucified. And I believe that he is one day coming again to take those back that belong to him. Have you made that confession? Have you made that profession publicly? Have you claimed that promise? If you haven't, why not make it now? If you've never prayed to the Lord, why not start right now? Or if it's been a long time since you spent time in prayer, why not come make that commitment right now? Say, God, I want to be a person of prayer And I want to spend more time with you and I want to commit right now to praying with you and praying for you and praying to you as often as I possibly can. You see, if you love someone, you're going to want to spend time with them. And if you really believe that God is who he says he is, and if you really believe what the Bible says about the power of prayer, it's going to change your lifestyle. And it's going to change your habits. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Why not start right now? Don't be in a hurry. I promise you wherever you're going to eat at, they'll have plenty enough food. You're going to get home in time to enjoy your meal and watch the saints on TV. I don't even know what time they play today. But right now is where the rubber meets the road. Right now is where commitments are made. Right now is where lives are changed. If you're already a Christian, if you know beyond the shadow of a doubt, begin praying right now for the people around you. If there's an issue that you're struggling with, why not trust and obey the Lord and what he wants to do in your life right now? But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, why don't you do like I said just a moment ago? Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And according to his word, he will save you. Jesus died as your substitute to take the place of your sin and to pay your sin debt. The Bible tells us that we've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In just a moment, when the music begins, if you've never stepped out in faith and asked Jesus to save you, I'd love to help you do that. When the music begins, the cameras are going to go off, nobody else is going to see it. Every head's going to be bowed and every eye is going to be closed. It'll be time for you to do business with the Lord. And if you've never taken that step of faith, you come see me during the invitation and I'll help you get that started. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord. I pray that you would make us a people of prayer. I pray that you would make us a group, Lord God, that is totally dependent on what you can do with our lives. And Lord, as you're looking throughout this congregation this morning, I pray that you'll find some hearts to stir. I pray that you'll raise up some young men and some young women to be radical with their faith. And I pray, Lord God, that we would be devoted to praying to you about the concerns in our life, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll bring about a brokenness over our sin. I pray that you'll bring about a brokenness for the sin of our community and our world today. I pray that you would give us a longing to see lost people come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior. Lord, I believe that if prayer becomes a priority in our life, then evangelism is going to become a priority in our life. I pray that you'll teach us, Lord God, to love the Lord God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all our mind and all our strength. And that spending time with you would be a priority in our lives each and every day we just ask it in Jesus' name. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.